Oh, gee, brother, how are you doing, my friend? Good as a free man. I'm, I'm happy. I'm content and grateful once again. It teaches you uh, what to be grateful for. So I guess maybe I needed that. <laughs> when, the, when the news came in about your incarceration, I thought we, they may be about to disappear you. They did. They could, you just, could you just take, take us through this very slowly, leading up to them taking you away? Were you, were you sensing anything? Were there any warning signs? I had like two weeks before that. I noticed some some weird things like people following me and stuff like that, which is kind of normal due to a certain extent of who I am and what I've done before. But I even I told my wife, you know, two weeks before that something was going to happen to me. I could just kind of feel it. Um, and I told her she had to be strong. I didn't know if I was going to be here and she had to be strong for the kids. And yeah, it, 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 it happened, you know, it, I didn't think that was going to happen. I honestly thought that something worse was going to happen. But, yeah, that's uh, how it went down. I was in front of my house. I was about to go to my mother-in-law's house, where I'm at right now, because I'm on a federal amparo, which is like a, a, a federal movement, the judge that got me out of prison. I'll explain that to you later. But I was in front of my house, and the Marines showed up in, like, normal police cars and just started – they basically kidnapped me. They just beat the shit out of me and took me in the patrol car. And I asked them, you know, why they were taking me. They wouldn't answer anything. I told them they can search my house. They don't even need a warrant. I told them, search my house, search my car. I have nothing in there. And I got to the police station. And we have to remember the police here, you know, work with the Marines. Like Marines are part of the law enforcement apparatus here in Mexico, now the military. And the lieutenant showed up. He had a Ziploc bag. He poured it out on the table. He put a pistol there and he told me that that was mine. And I said, Fuck, that's not mine. <laughs> and he told me, no, that's yours. And oh, gee, my... sorry, sorry, your microphone has started crackling. Can you just check that it's plugged in properly? Yeah, 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 yeah brother. I'll, I'll put it closer to me here. Hold yeah, on. you just started. Um, this can you still hear noise. me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, keep talking just to check. I can check that it's. Um... We are with OG Shadow reporting out of Mexico. He's fresh out of prison. He thought we thought they were trying to disappear him for reporting on the cartels, and he's telling us about the day a few months ago when he got taken by the authorities. What so part did you hear, son? What part? Where did it start breaking up? So I can start off the same place. Yeah, when when you talk, it's it's still still got a weird noise. I have no idea why. That's odd. Um, let me move it up here. All right. See if this helps. Does it still does it still not sound right? I could hear it, but people are saying that it sounds okay in the chat. Um, Ash, can you hear it, Ash? I can yeah, speak Ash louder is... too. I don't know if that helps. I'll speak a little bit louder. Have you got a headset or anything? I don't. I don't, Sean. Right now, I'm here at my mother-in-law's house. I can't get any of my equipment out of my ranch because well, you know I don't want to go back there for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah, all right. We'll just have to keep going then. All right, so you said, you know, you're outside the house and military shows up? Yeah, they took me down to the, the police station, the Marines, and they poured a zip. You're all good. Back. It stopped. The crack, the crackling has stopped. You're all good. Okay. They yeah. Go, they go, go for the, it again. Yep. They took me to the police station. A lieutenant just showed up and he poured out like a Ziploc bag full of, full of baggies there's like 400 bags in total 
And then they took my picture with the, the Marines on each side of me with rifles and a mask like this. And then they moved me to prison like the next day, which I'd already been before and the same, the same exact prison years before. And a lot of the people were still there from when I left 10 years before and they, they hadn't gotten out. It was like nothing had changed. It was like, it blew my mind completely. Insane. All right, slow down, slow down, OG. When they came outside your house, yes. did they say, did they ask for you by name? And did they say, no. we are charging you with X, Y, Z? I was about to get into my car in that exact moment. And they pulled up in like the normal police cars, municipal police cars, the Marines. We call, we had camouflaged here sometimes because they do that. They work with the police. They are law enforcement here in Mexico, the Marines too, the military. And they just got out, started beating the shit out of me and threw me into the patrol car. I honestly thought they were clonadas. That's what we call it here. Like the, sometimes organized crime uses cloned cars. They clone the government and they have uniforms. And I thought they they're just going to take me out and kill me. And they brought me to the police station. And yeah, they put that drug on their table. They took my picture in the newspaper and it sucked. They tortured the shit out of me too in the police station, trying to get me to admit a bunch of shit I didn't do. All right, slow down, slow down. So they take you into a room, and what manner of torture began? Uh, first, they, they had my hands cuffed behind my back, and one of them grabbed my arms, and each one of them grabbed my legs, and they were just sticking my head in a bucket of water, like my, my whole body like this directly. And they hold me there, I don't know how long. And, and one of the times, I, I tipped the bucket over with the back of my head on purpose, and then they just threw me, they just dropped me on my head on the floor, basically, and just started kicking, you know, kicking me. And they were trying to get me to sign a document to say that that was mine. And I refused to do it because it wasn't mine. And then, yeah, they, that's when after they took my picture and I was in the jail like one night, the local jail. And then they moved me the next morning. And did you have a charge at that point with what they planted on you? Yeah, it's the same paperwork I showed you. It's narco menodeo con fines de comercio, which is like drug trafficking. For commercial gain, which is the most serious charge you can get when it comes to the drugs here in Mexico. Did they assign you like a public defender or anything? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Who didn't do shit. He wouldn't talk to me the whole time I was there. So you got no legal representation. You've been tortured. You've been, they've planted substances on you. They've charged you with a commercial level offense. Um, you, you know, what happens on your second day? So when I get to the prison, I find out they're also charging me with uh, hurting a law enforcement agent because supposedly I hurt one of the Marines when they arrested me. It's laughable, but they did that so I couldn't get bail. If you're involved in violence against a law enforcement official, it's automatically no bail. So they had me there sin bail. Basically, whatever they sentenced me to, I had to take it. And that was it. You know, it's, that was the, the end of the story. But I'm very lucky that I have a compadre who's in, you know, the federal judicial service, if you want to call it that. And he was able to get me an amparo, which is really hard to get. It's nothing easy to get an amparo, especially here in Mexico. And it took about a month for everything to go through. And prison prison was insane, I could tell you about too. That's a, that's a whole other story. It's, uh, OG, OG, you said your friend got you a barro. Could you explain? Amparo. Amparo, yeah, that's the paperwork I showed you. It's like... Uh, it's a federal order of suspension of the sentence. Basically, he froze the whole process. And I basically have a six-month period where I have to go to get anti-doping. 
I have to take drug classes because it's involved with drugs. And I have to take psychological classes once a month because the violence against the Marines, supposedly. <laughs> so it's just hoops I have to jump through, thank God. And if it wasn't for him doing me that favor, I'd still be, I wouldn't have gotten out. I wouldn't have gotten out. No way. All right. So you're a journalist, activist in Mexico. You're going into the jail. There's no help, no public defender. You've been tortured. What were the jail, uh, the conditions like where you were housed? Oh, shit. Well, okay. The first night when I got to prison, there's a thing called Los Iniciados, which is like a house, basically. It's all barred up. And all the new people are put in there. So there's almost like 20 of us. And it's just one room with the bathroom with no plumbing. They only turn on the water for five minutes a day. Just uh, so you can flush the toilet like once, I guess. Maybe wash some dishes. Something I don't you know. Your, your plate you have or whatever that you eat with. Because they come give you food in the morning and uh, use the same plate. And it was just disgusting. The sanitary conditions, you know, something else. And then you have all these different rival groups and people... Normally, people who show up there for the charges like I had for drug trafficking, they're killed within the first day or two. Because if you're not working with the, the mafia and you show up for drugs, you're the competition. And I wasn't working for the mafia and I got drugs. But luckily, for me being there before and from people I know, I can't exactly say the name of the person, but I have a very close friend who's in charge. He's actually in charge of that prison. Like when I say in charge, I don't mean like on a law enforcement level. He's in charge of like a street level. And... You know, I was just blessed. I got blessed again because if it would have been someone else, it could have been completely different. They could have not even checked, you know, and that's what saved me too, is they checked in the actual bags they planted on me and the photo that was in the newspaper were the mafia's bags, like the same type of bags and the marks they use. And they know I wasn't working for them. So how could I have their bags? It had to have been planted on me. It was, you know, they already knew what happened. And that saved me. That saved my life. So, but you're, you are a citizen journalist reporting on the cartels. You're put in a prison where, with your charges. It's automatic kill on sight, KOS. But because you knew somebody that saved your life, is that what you're saying? Yes, I know a lot of people, but it was the person that was on the top that really saved my life because he vouched for me, basically. Because on top of everything else, they look at me as a contra. I'm an enemy. Because I used to work for the Anthrax, which are Miles people, and the prison where I at is not controlled by them. It's controlled by a different group completely, and it could have been, it could yeah, it could have been a lot worse. There was a riot there just in November. That prison where I was at in Sonora, where they put me at, was controlled by a group that was combined between Cartel Jalisco and Caro Quintero's people. And when Chapo's sons took over the prison in November, it was it was just a bloodbath there in the prison. It was insane. It took two days to get it under control. And, you know, there's dozens and dozens of dead, and it doesn't even show up in the newspaper. They were literally just sticking, like, kitchen knives with tape on the end of broomsticks and sticking the, the Jalisco guys in their cells. And it was nuts. It was, I wasn't there for the, for the riot, but my friend showed me videos on his phone, and everyone told me. It was just, like, a couple months before I got there. In fact, in the holding cell before, when they first, first brought me to the prison, before they put me in the house, I remembered seeing Cartel Jalisco on the walls and shit. And I was like, oh, damn, this is this is bad. Because I, I didn't know who was controlling the prison then until I got in there. It's, I don't even speak to those people anymore. I hadn't seen them in, in years and years and years. That's why I said, by thank God that dude was in charge. And I still knew people there because it could have been very different. And thank God Jalisco wasn't in control either because it would have been worse than it, than it already could have been. It would have made things way worse because we all know the threats I've gotten from them personally. And... Well, they, they follow through with their threats. 
Yes, Scott, OG Shadow is in Mexico talking to us presently. He's fresh out of prison. I'll show you guys. You can see where I'm at. He's been a friend of the channel for years, putting his life on the line, reporting on the cartels, hence the disguise. There's too much much sunlight for us to see. Oh, yeah, we can see now. Yeah, yeah. There There you go. And what was the worst violence that was going on around when you were incarcerated? To other people. How much can I say on the channel? Can I actually say well, stuff? We, we don't we don't want to get into too much graphic detail, but you know, were people getting wiped out, snuffed out? Of course. And what is the what is the name of the prison that you were in? Excuse me, Sean. What was the name of the prison that you were in? It's called it's the Sonoran State Prison. So they in Cerezo Estatal de Guaymas, where I was at, the actual city. And it's a state prison, you know, it's got everyone from rapists to murderers, drug charges. It's not like the little local jail. Um, it's for more serious people. There were serial killers in there with me. Um, <laughs> I did actually a video on one of the serial killers, and it's, it's nuts, you know. While I was in there, I'll just give you something that happened. One of the people showed up. I'd been there about two weeks on dope charges, and... They strung them up like uh, they have like protections on the windows here, like metal bars, right? On the outside, like there's actual buildings, like little like little houses. Like where I ended up staying at wasn't in the cell block because I knew those people, like the the people who work in that that type of business. They let me stay with them in the house, my friend. And there was like 15 of us with bunks, and they caught someone that came in and it wasn't selling for them, and they strung them up on the outside of that house against the protections. Um, under his arms and around his neck and they opened him up completely and then they just hung him from the inside of the house and that's what showed up. Wow. So how did you... OG, how, how did you deal with it? Excuse me. How did, you, how did you deal with it psychologically? Do you think you were getting buried alive? You would never see the light of day? Yeah, I didn't think I'd get them bottle. I thought I was... I thought I was... It was done. I thought it was over. Honestly, I thought I was going to be in there for a long time. And as I already have a previous uh, charges and everything else, I really thought they were going to throw the book at me. Did you have cellmates? Were you in a dorm or did you have where, a, a bed? Where they put me at in the house where I was at with my friend, uh, there was 15 of us. But normally they're cell blocks. They're called pabellones, right? And there's three of them in this prison. And they're two stories. That's how the normal setup is for everyone else. But where I was staying is a house right below the cell block where a lot of the people who work in the mafia and people like that stay. There's only 15 bunks there and they normally charge to be there. You know, that house was originally designed for people like rapists and people who do stuff like that. But the mafia kicked all those people out and put them in the cell blocks and let them get killed. And they ended up taking that house for themselves. And yeah. Oh, gee, just to let the viewers understand about, you know, how you put your life on the line reporting on certain things. Can you tell the viewers on your YouTube channel over the years, how many of your guests, people you've interviewed, have been murdered? Uh, I don't have a number, Sean. Lots. I don't even like to think about it, but I could probably do a count. You know, I even have personal family members. Um, actually, where I'm at right now, at my mother-in-law's house, I had a, a cousin of mine killed like two blocks away. My brother-in-law was killed actually right here where I'm at right now in this house. I, I can't go back to my ranch for obvious reasons. I'm actually in the process of selling it right now. So this is the address I had to register with, with uh, the probation office, basically, to, when I got out. 
and I can't leave here. You know, it's it's always like a type of house arrest thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know how many guests, Sean, honestly, well over a dozen probably, you know, over the, the last five years, I think. Okay, in the prison, was it all Mexican nationals? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't see one foreigner there. They usually send, a, like, foreigner pe foreigners to different types of prisons and stuff like that. They don't send them to prisons like that. <clears throat> it's usually a more, how would I say, like, higher-level institution that's not as corrupt or as bad. Like, they have federal prisons, let's say, in Mexico City, where stuff still goes down, but the government has a lot more control. And the prison where I at, what was at, the government doesn't have control. Like my friend who has control there inside, he walked around with a German shepherd that was trained to attack. They all had guns with them and everything. The guards don't even have guns. And these dudes are walking around with guns inside. And they all have big ass knives and everything on them too. So the government doesn't, doesn't control anything at all. They just make sure people don't sleep. So like when they showed up to kick the Jaliscos out, the people like my friend who was in control there, they showed up, they shot at the towers where the guards were at. The guards took off running. They entered the prison. All the important people they wanted, they took out of the prison, interrogated them, got rid of them. And all the little people, they just killed inside. They didn't even let them out of their cells. They just got them inside their cells. So as you're not a Mexican national, was that an advantage or was that a disadvantage in the prison? Well, I do have citizenship here, but uh, I think the biggest disadvantage would have been if I didn't speak Spanish. <laughs> that, that would have been the big hurdle. But as I knew people and everything, and that's what saved me. I think nationality does have something to do with it. But I've met American nationals, too, and people from other countries. If they're well connected and they know people and they're, they're in good standing with the group, they're perfectly fine. So I guess that it's, it's not so much on a nationality basis. Obviously, it's going to work against you if you're not a Mexican national. But if you're connected with those people or you have a past history with them and they know who you are and they can vouch for you, that's enough because it's not based really on race here or anything like that. None of that really matters, your race or any of that. It's more to do with uh, criminal affiliation. Not like the United States where everything's separated by race and they don't even think like that here. It's all about money. It's all that matters. We're live with OG Shadow, a citizen journalist who reports on the cartels. He's a YouTuber. He's just got out of prison. He was targeted due to his journalism. And we are live for 10 more minutes with him. If you've got any questions for him, You've got a unique opportunity to put them in the chat now. He's reporting from Mexico and he is masked as usual due to the nature of what he reports on. First question is from Ray J. And that is, OG, do you have an escape plan? Well, there's no way to escape, man. If I, if, I, uh, if I leave here, then I'd be a, a fugitive from justice. And, you know, I don't want to do that. That's, that's my, so I'm just going to finish my... You know, I've already almost got two months, two months now. So a couple months left, four months left. And it's easy. It's just drug testing and, and an hour long class once a month. So it's easy. I just stay out of trouble and I've stayed out of trouble for a long time. So escape plan, I don't need. But uh, God forbid that I would have to run from here for some reason or another. That's the last thing I'd want to do. You said, you know, meeting this person that, you know, helped you all save your life. Was there a point before you met that person where they came to you and you felt like something was going to happen? Well, I've known him since the last time I was in that prison. I've known him a long time. But I didn't know if he was still control when I showed up there because I don't talk to those people anymore. And the actual group that's in control has changed too. But when I did show up there the first night, 
yeah, a bunch of dudes showed up and they pulled me out of that house and they asked me why I was there and I told them and they're like, we're going to have to talk to, you know, the people up above, we're going to be back. Basically telling me if shit didn't check out, they were going to come chop me up. You're being asked about your channel. I'm going to put the channel link in the description box right now. Oh, Ray J has beat me to it. Please support and subscribe to OG. There's videos up there. He gets into a lot of detail on cartel crimes. And the nature of the things that they do out there is just completely off the scale on some of this. Oh, and I didn't right. tell you the best part, Sean. That guy that they gutted and everything on the windows, it shows up as suicide on his death report. So his family thinks he committed suicide still because they don't check the body or anything. It's what the prison says happens. And yeah. So um, there is a question, but we've got to be very careful. We're going to say human transportation instead of human, you know, the other word. Yes. Because of, of YouTube. Um, and you're being asked, you know, if, as well as sending illegal substances into America, these cartels are transporting people into America. Because there's this movie out right now called Sound of Freedom, and it shows that kids are being sent and put into these horrible uh, situations with adults who are attracted to kids, that kind of thing. I can explain um, you... a lot of that. I can explain a lot of that. So it's definitely happening. Lots of times how it works is when you want to go to the United States, you pay half and your family or your loved ones pay the other half when you show up, right? Lots of people, they pay that first half and their family members or the people, something happens there and they don't pay. So they end up becoming basically like indentured slavery, to, slavery you know, for these people. And a lot of times people send their kids unaccompanied and these people do whatever the hell they want with them too. You got to remember a lot of these groups don't have morals at all. They don't care about women or kids or any of that. So if they can make money profiting and selling them and the, the family members didn't pay the other half or whatever, you know, they use it for however long they want to keep these people until they figure that they paid off that money that they're owed. That happens a lot. And a lot of times the kids end up paying for the parents, you know, not coming through with the money or whatever happens. And sometimes they're just evil. And even if they pay, they still do it. But more, the more common you know, situation is people don't pay and they end up in indentured slavery. Whether it's women, you know, selling themselves or children, you know, it's, it's horrible. It's disgusting. So you're saying a lot of them are just trying to, they've got no money, but they're desperately trying to get their kids into America to try and have them have a better life. But something goes wrong or they get tricked by the transporters and the transporters then take control of the kids and, and and basically monetize the kids by putting them into these evil situations. Exactly, exactly. They find one way to profit off it one way or another if they aren't paid or they, they don't feel what they received. Or sometimes there'll be an agreed price, and once they get you there to the United States, now they want to charge the family double than the agreed price. And th that family did double. They barely had, well, they probably saved up five years just to get that original price, you know, which is right now to move people across the border, let's say, in Sonora, for example, they're charging between eight and nine thousand dollars. If you know people, if you don't know people, it's more in between ten to twelve thousand. So that's so you can see how expensive it is and how hard for someone from here to get that much money is impossible. You know, you'd have a whole family has to pull together usually to to get one loved one across. Question from Jess: Are they paying coyotes that work for the cartels? Yeah, they make good money. They make really good money. They receive a percentage. So it's a if they're making eight or nine ahead. 
they'll probably be getting the coyote would probably be getting like a thousand ahead. And you know, the, the mafia keeps the, the other 8,000 or whatever the difference is. But for here, that's good money. And when they're moving 30 people, 20 people at a time, that's 20 grand a trip. And they don't care. They know the way they know. So if the, the migration comes or anything, the coyotes escape and they leave the group. And the migration every time falls on the big group of 30 people. You know, it's, it's common sense. And this guy disappears in the mountain and he knows how to get back. He knows where the water is. He knows where to hide. This is like his backyard. So they're, they're very hardly ever caught. And when they are caught with the group, no one in the group will admit he's the coyote. He just acts like he's another migrant because that's serious charge. It's moving people, like what you said. So no one, everyone knows to keep their mouth shut and not put the, say who it really is if he does get caught. So we're here with OG Shadow out of Mexico. He was reporting on cartels. They took him. They tried to disappear him. He was almost in a situation where he could have been killed. But an old friend got him out of the situation. And fortunately, he's back with us. And question from TJ Savage. How can you tell when the threat is genuine in prison? Here, they don't. They, all the threats are genuine. It's not like the United States. Like here, they can just kill you. The guards will come open the cell for them even if they want. They'll pull you out, do what they want to you. And they don't even need to threaten you. They just show up and do what they want. I, there's really, there's no consequences for them. Like if you kill someone in the United States in prison, you could get a murder charge or a, a charge, you know, for killing someone inside. Here, that never happens. The, the guards don't even care about the paperwork. And they just rather put it up as a suicide and, it, you know, it's just easier for them. Wow. Scott, Lots of suicides. <laughs> Scott wants to know, how, how high up is the government involved with the cartels and is the U.S. turning a blind eye? Well, the U.S. is involved too. You know, the United States government works with these groups and has for a long time. You can look back at the largest uh, weed operation, Rancho Apolo Caroquitero. They were moving guns and men to the Contras in Central America and bringing back, you know, white powder. And that was exposed by Agent Camarena and the CIA and the cartels in a joint agreement killed him to try to cover up everything he knew. And this later got exposed. And that's the same reason Caro Quintero has 28 years, was never extradited to the United States, but Chapo was extradited in one year because they don't want to extradite him. Because if he was forced to testify in court of all that and a lot more, they don't want that to happen. They'd rather him die here in prison of old age and never extradite him. And a lot of people don't understand that. Chapo, in less than a year, they extradited him, and this dude has almost 30, and they never extradited him. They didn't even try. Yeah, if the viewers want to check out the full story, what really happened with DJ uh, Agent uh, Camarina of the DEA, the death of him, check out my book, Clinton, Bush, and CIA Conspiracies. He's one of the main stories that I cover in that book. Um, so, OG... You know, they disappeared you, you were almost murdered, you're back, you've got your channel back, you're reporting again. Some people would say, oh gee, you know, you're putting your life on the line again after what you've just been through, you're just fresh out of prison. What are you thinking, man? Man, I just don't give up and I know what I'm doing so important because no one speaks on it and it's what I usually focus on a lot of times, I expose things these people do that is just wrong. I don't know. I feel it's worth it. And if I die, it's, it's more than worth it. We're all going to die anyways at one point, every single one of us. So in my point of view, I'd rather die something worthwhile and making a difference instead of just living my life and not making a difference and not having any purpose at all or making any positive change in the world. And I feel I've done enough bad things in my life, nothing like uh, tennis and people, nothing like that, but I was involved in drugs, guns, things like that, that I'm kind of paying for my sins in a way from what I'm doing now. 
So I guess it's both of those factors. Man, that is your karmic destiny. That's what you're trying to say. OG, we salute your bravery. You've got the biggest cojones on the internet as far as I'm concerned. I don't know anyone else putting their life on the line consistently like this. It is absolutely insane, but wow, you know, power to you. We wish you all the best in your mission. Everyone watching this, OG's YouTube channel link is in the description box. And we would like to get him back get him back on soon because there's a lot more I want to find out about what he's just been through. Um, so take care, brother, and hope take to see care, you brother. soon. Malvede, I hope he blesses you and your family, brother. Nothing but love. And you know what time it is, Sean. You ever need anything, I'm always here. Appreciate it. Much love and respect, OG Shadow. Take care. All right, brother.